Hello everyone, I'm Dawn Groundskeeper and this is Snippets of Literacy. This episode was recorded on Anchor. Can a person be educated and illiterate at the same time? Season 2, episode 25. Warm and special shout outs to all of you snippets. I received some absolutely fabulous news recently that I was selected to be a World Literacy Foundation Ambassador for 2021. In this role, I will continue to promote literacy and help eradicate illiteracy around the world, starting with where I am located right here in Sydney, Australia. I am beyond excited and I will keep you updated on my snippets of literacy social media pages so please stay tuned. In this episode, um, I just want to share my thoughts on whether a person can be educated and illiterate at the same time. I think it's an interesting oxymoron, don't you? Well, let's begin by identifying who an educated person is versus who an illiterate person is, and then we can see where we go from there. An educated person is someone who has undergone a usually formal process of learning with another more capable person who acts as a guide or trainer. So let's say a teacher and a student relationship or a parent and a child relationship for those who are homeschooled. So then you would expect an educated person to have a higher mental and intellectual capacity to function effectively in society. But there are different levels of being educated or becoming educated. We've got basic education, which um, loosely defined by the International Standard Classification of Education includes primary and secondary education. But we must admit, though, that the standards that govern the quality of such basic education are not equal worldwide and and for for a myriad of reasons not least of which are war and economics which can disrupt or even prevent basic education from occurring also in countries like let's say australia and the uk and, and america early childhood education is an integral part of the cash of what is termed basic education But it is neither compulsory, I think, in most places, at least in Australia, nor encouraged um, in certain cultures and countries. And I won't say where, just to keep, you know, keep that um, equal. But we all know there are some countries that simply can't afford to to, um, highlight, let's say, you know, basic elementary education, not elementary, but early childhood education. I would dare to say that most Australians believe in um, emergent literacy. And I think I mentioned emergent literacy in an earlier podcast. But that is where a child develops certain reading skills through being exposed to print books, you know, through learning new words, learning to make meaning in natural ways. And they're doing this before they begin to attend formal school. I'll give you a quick example. You know, in 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 alphabetic languages such as English, we learn to read from left to right. And we take that for granted. But do you know that it is something that a child has to um, be, be exposed to? 
And if they are multilingual, you know, they might, you know, and, and their language is non-alphabetic, they might read from right to left. So even those little things, um, those little skills, um, those little bits of exposure can really help a child. So even the quality of that exposure to emergent literacy is said to really affect later learning. So imagine if a child gets a good start, their capacity to become well-educated and well-literate is definitely enhanced. Of course, education can continue throughout one's life, but we expect that uh, university studies from undergraduate to master's to doctoral studies to even postdoctoral studies would improve someone's level of education. It's just such a natural progression. The type of uh, institution attended, you know, one's ability or disability or disabilities and abilities, if let's pluralize them, certain life experiences and so on may affect how educated a person becomes. So there's so much more I could say about being educated, but let me turn to illiteracy. The most general understanding is that a person is illiterate if they are unable to read, write, or communicate well in their native language, and this inability inhibits their functioning in society. Of course, there are different levels of literacy or illiteracy for that matter. A person might be fully illiterate, which describes those who never really learned to read or write or communicate well. They might be able to recognize letters. They might be able to recognize their own name through practice. But if the same letters were rearranged into other words, they would not know what is going on. Then there are people with limited literacy, sometimes referred to as having low literacy or being functionally illiterate. And there are some minor distinctions between those, but I'm just going to lump them into one for, for the sake of um, this episode. So in 2019, Palavi Singal from the Sydney Morning Herald quoted from an OECD report that stated, and I quote, more than one in five Australians can at most complete very simple reading, such as reading brief texts or familiar topics, end of quote. You know, this is significant. One in five, more than one in five, so we're talking more than 20%. And I could do another podcast about how um, that affects access to jobs, you know, keeps um, a, a person economically or socially disadvantaged or deprived, uh, you know, being unable to access things like proper housing, uh, education, transportation, you know, having no choice in where they live and, and so on and so forth. Um, of course, um, that there are those that are at the upper end of literacy, so they are very literate. Uh, and although they may have challenges with gaining employment, it is nothing remotely similar to what I have just described. So what does this all mean? If you study 
the definitions I have given are your own. Um, and trust me, I'm sure they're better ones. <laughs> the question is then, how can someone be both educated and illiterate at the same time? The simple answer is that the level of one's education can severely affect one's literacy level. But there's a positive correlation between education and literacy. So that the more um, we give access to education, the fewer people we will have in our society that are illiterate or even, you know, with, uh, with low literacy. So let's get as many people educated as quickly as we can so that we can improve literacy around the world is what my call to order is for all of us. You've been listening to Snippets of Literacy with Dawn Granskiba. I love you for listening. Hello, everyone. I'm Dawn Granskiba, and this is Snippets of Literacy. This episode was recorded on Anchor. A very, very special shout out to all the new listeners from Iceland. Welcome, welcome. And a special mention and a huge shout out to listeners from Australia, the United States, India, Poland, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, Canada, Jamaica, Ireland, the Turks and Caicos Islands. This is a special mention to you because your numbers have never, ever dwindled. And I am so, so grateful for your continued support. You know, sometimes I go, ah, does anyone listen? But your numbers are there to guide me. And for all the other listeners whose uh, countries don't even come up and then others that I haven't mentioned, you know I love you. You know I appreciate you. I just wanted to, sh- to make special mention of these guys. Anyway, on to today's episode, which is um, Literacy and the School to Prison Pipeline, Season 2, Episode 26. So some time ago, I attended a professional learning event where I was introduced to some startling statistics about the correlation between juvenile incarceration and low literacy or weak language skills of Australian youth. Although the data wasn't necessarily new, I was um, simply not aware of how things actually looked in Jamaica when it came to youth uh, incarceration. I was more aware of the American statistics and I had always suspected, of course, that there was a link. Uh, You know, if I looked at countries such as the United Kingdom or elsewhere in the world, but um, I didn't quite, I didn't know things were so dire right here at home in Australia. So I started to dig and I found some interesting information that I would like to share with you on this episode of Snippets of Literacy. One of the things that I found is that there is this amazing uh, professor called Dr. Pamela Snow And she's an Australian speech pathologist and psychologist, and she's done some amazing work in this area. I have to say that I have met her online. Um, I wasn't stalking her. We just happened to be on the same professional learning or in some uh, professional learning events together online, and she's amazing. I'm eager to continue reading her work, uh, if only I can find some time to do so. 
but you should definitely most definitely check her out she's all over the internet and on social media her name again dr pamela snow that's one l anyway this is what i have understand from reading some of her articles online and from watching some of her videos i think she's on youtube as well so dr snow warns that for students who begin their learning from behind uh, so i mean far below their peers it is oftentimes very very difficult for them to catch up and that's because early exposure to the foundations of learning is just not established I remember um, talking about this in earlier episodes on emergent literacy, so please go back and have a listen. But um, emergent literacy, as I described it then, is about preparing a child from birth to before they begin school with the rich visual skills, oral skills, complex vocabulary that they hear in everyday use from you, from me, from, you know, in play and in other situations. Um, just exposing them to a variety of sentence structures and so on. And, and, and I mentioned in that episode how important it is for us to build um, that kind of pre-literacy in, in children. And by the way, there are very simple ways that we can do this. I also discussed that, you know, from telling stories, reading to them, talking to them, playing with them, having them uh, play with others, just exposure. And when we do this, then when they begin school, they already have the basic skills that will set them up to be successful learners at school. And if you think this isn't a serious matter, I have had a high school student ask me how to read um, uh, uh, the paper, you know, from they didn't realize it. They had to do so from left to right. So let's not take, um, you know, let's not think that this doesn't happen. It really does. And, and anything that we can do to help children to have a good start is, is so essential, so important. Okay, but I just went off on a tangent then. So let's get back. So um, before I actually, before I continue, I also want to acknowledge students with additional learning and support needs who despite great exposure to emergent literacy might still struggle and need more explicit teaching. So I'm very aware of that, especially that uh, I am now a learning and support teacher. Now, returning to uh, Dr. Snow. So um, based on what I've understood from her work, what happens to these struggling students is that without the right start, they continue to struggle during the early years at school. Their more capable peers continue to do better and develop more skills, but they are stuck and they remain stuck unless there is an immediate intervention. Before long, they begin to fall behind and most of them will develop or a lot of them will develop behavioral problems that may lead to them being suspended or even expelled from school. And I spoke about how school discipline can affect literacy development in episode 24. So make sure you have a listen to that if you have not yet done so. But some of these students will unfortunately turn to crime, mostly petty crimes at first, which as you can guess might lead to more serious crimes. And this journey is what Dr. Snow describes as creating a school to prison. 
pipeline. So right at the start, I mentioned that I was unaware of the statistics in Australia connected with this pathway, this prison, the school to prison pipeline. And I'd just like to share some with you. And uh, I got this from the 2015 Youth People in Custody Health Survey. I can't remember which organization um, published it, but you can just Google it and you'll find it. And um, it's, it's very interesting. Right, scroll down uh, and you'll see um, a link to literacy. So this is where I got that, those statistics, these statistics that I'll be quoting now from. And 76.6% of males showed severe reading comprehension compared to 92.3% females. I've been talking this entire podcast, this entire from season one till now, how important it is when we have the ability to read and comprehend for ourselves. So if we have 76.6% of our young men who are incarcerated having severe reading comprehension, then we know that we're in trouble. Let me just pause to say here that I'm not talking about all of the, this is not 76.6% of the Australian population. We are doing pretty well with education. I'm just talking about those who are incarcerated. Just want to emphasize that. And what this data showed me as well, it was that um, of the 76.6% males and 92.3% females, uh, there was also some disparity. So 83.5% were ab identified as Aboriginal young people compared to 71.6% who were non-Aboriginal. That's not a huge uh, statistical difference in my opinion because so, what that shows me is that our children are in trouble, who, who of course, those who are incarcerated. Um, the statistics also showed that almost half, so 48.1% of the young people scored in the low range, indicating, as I said before, severe disabilities. And there were no significant uh, differences with respect to gender or Aboriginality. So what are we going to do about it, right? I, I, I can almost hear you going, oh, Don, you've shared such bad news, such dire situation with us. What can we do? Well, I'm glad you've asked. As you know, for me, uh, literacy is a matter of social justice. It's about giving people choice and autonomy over their own lives. It's about helping them participate more fully in society. And there are many ways that we can break that school to prison pipeline or disrupt it at least. And I, I can't tell you all the ways in this snippet because, you know, this is a short episode. But here are three. Number one, as a citizen of the world and where you live, bring awareness of the literacy crisis and try to eradicate illiteracy, starting in your home, your community, your parish, state, country, the continent on which you live. You might do so by financially supporting organizations like the World Literacy Foundation. I mentioned in a previous episode that I'm an ambassador for 2021. So thank you for your support. 
uh, volunteer. You may also volunteer at your local school to read to a child. Or you could buy some books and put them in letterboxes in, in, in poor communities. I'm sure you get the picture, don't you? What I'm saying is be creative. Another thing that you could do is show respect. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't now, but show respect and support for early childhood teachers, primary teachers, secondary teachers, speech pathologists, psychologists, all kinds of educators and people involved in education. Trust me, our jobs are hard and often undervalued and your appreciation does help us to go on despite sometimes awfully low wages for some, depending on where you are in the world, and never enough, even if you're in one of the best countries. Uh, we go through emotional turmoil, you know, we take on the issues of our students, we love them, we care for them, so we face all kinds of difficulties um, while doing our job. So yeah, show us a little bit of respect and appreciation. Another thing that you could do, and my third and final point, is vote. And when I say that, I mean vote, vote carefully and intelligently for politicians who really believe that education should be accessible for all of us, no matter our gender, racial identity, socioeconomic status, religion, or any other flimsy reason. And we're talking about people who are willing to walk the talk, okay? I'm not talking about some car salesman type of uh, talk. I I, my apologies to car salesmen, but you know what I mean. We should be educated because we are humans. It's a human right. So, yeah, those are some of the things that you could start doing. Um, for those of, of you who are already doing them, you know, see if you can get some other people on board. You've been listening to Snippets of Literacy with Dawn Grant-Skiba. I love you for listening. Hello everyone, I'm Dawn Grant-Skiba and this is Snippets of Literacy. This episode was recorded on Anchor. I begin as usual with special shout outs. The first one goes to new listeners from Iceland and the final one goes to listeners from Australia, the United States, India, Poland, New Zealand, the UK, Canada, Jamaica, Ireland, Turks and Caicos Islands for your absolutely amazing uh, support which has never ever dwindled. Sometimes I'm you know I, I say to myself is, is anyone listening and then I see that your percentages increase they don't dwindle and I'm so so chuffed so thank you so much for listening. Some time ago, I attended a professional learning event where I was introduced to some, for me, startling statistics about the correlation between juvenile incarceration and low literacy or weak language skills of Australian youth. Although the data wasn't entirely new, I simply was not aware of how things looked in Australia. I was more aware of um, the American statistics, and I had always suspected, you know, a similar link uh, in the UK or elsewhere in the world, but I didn't know that things looked the way they actually do right here at home in Australia. 
And so I started to dig and I found some interesting information that I would like to share with you on this episode of Snippets of Literacy. So I have titled it Literacy and the School to Prison Pipeline. Um, uh, And this is, of course, season two, episode 26. So one of the things I found is that there is this amazing uh, lecturer, professor, Dr. Pamela Snow. She's an Australian speech pathologist and psychologist, and she's done some awesome work in this area. Uh, I know she's a researcher. I, I, I should be more prepared to tell you what else she does, but I do think she's a lecturer as well. I'm eager to continue reading her work, if only I can find some time. But you should definitely, most definitely check her out. She's all over the internet and on social media. Uh, I have her on my Twitter handle, so there you go. Anyway, this is what I have uh, understood from reading and watching some of Dr. Snow's publications on the issue. So Dr. Snow warns that for students who begin their learning from behind, so far below their peers, it is oftentimes very, very difficult for them to catch up. And that's because early exposure to the foundations of learning is just not established. You can listen to episode 15, where I talk about the importance of creating a home environment that uh, encourages emergent literacy. And if you go back there, or even to Literacy Begins at Home, I think that's episode five, I talk about preparing a child from birth to before they begin school, so that's the emergent literacy, with rich visual skills and oral skills and complex vocabulary and exposure to different, uh, you know, sentence structures and and so on and so forth. And I also mentioned that there are simple ways that we can do this. We can, you know, we can tell them stories, we can read to them, we can talk to them, we can play with them. Uh, and so there are simple ways of achieving these, um, these uh, skills. And when we do these things, then our children begin school with the basic skills that set them up to be successful learners at school. And let me just stop here and acknowledge students with additional learning and support needs who, despite great exposure to emergent literacy, might still struggle and need more explicit teaching once they begin school. I am very much aware of that. Now, returning to Dr. Snow. So what happens to these struggling students, uh, she explains, is that without the right start, they continue to struggle during the early years at school. Uh, their more capable peers continue to do better because they've had a good foundation and they develop more skills. And then you'll find those students um, that I mentioned earlier, those struggling ones, they become stuck, they remain stuck, unless, of course, there is an immediate intervention. Before long, if things don't change, if there's no intervention, they begin to not only be stuck, but they begin to fall behind and they develop behavioural problems that may lead them to being uh, suspended and expelled from school. Um, Of course, not everyone develops behavioural problems, but for the most part. And I spoke about how 
school discipline can affect literacy development in episode 24. So make sure you have a listen to that if you have not yet done so. So some of these uh, students will unfortunately turn to crime, mostly petty crimes at first. And this journey is what Dr. Snow describes as creating uh, a school to prison pipeline. So earlier I mentioned that I was unaware of the statistics in Australia connected with this pathway, this school to prison pipeline pathway. And I'd like to share some of those statistics with you. They are taken from the 2015 Young People in Custody Health Survey. And just a couple, okay? It says that 76.6% males showed severe reading comprehension compared to 92.3% females. And this equated to 83.5% for Aboriginal young people compared to 71.6% for non-Aboriginal youth. Also, almost half, so 48.1% of the young people, scored in the low range, indicating severe difficulties, with no significant differences with respect to gender or Aboriginality. Although these uh, statistics are absolutely awful, I just want to say and to make it clear that we're talking about the small percentage of Australian youth that are incarcerated. It is nothing like what is in other countries, thankfully. But I just wanted to make sure that we're not talking about, um, you know, the majority. We're talking about a very small number uh, and especially what this article this this um, research was showing as well. So please have a read of it, Google it, have a read of it and see for yourself. Um, so you might be saying, you know, Dawn, you've shared this bad news, uh, such dire situation with, with us, but what can we do? As always, my the reason for doing this podcast is to also give practical solutions. So You might know, I'm pretty sure by now, that for me, literacy is a matter of social justice. It's about giving people choice and autonomy over their own lives. It's about helping them participate more fully in society. And there are many ways that we can break or at least disrupt that school to prison pipeline. Uh, Obviously, I cannot discuss with you all the ways because this is just a snippet, but I have uh, written down three ways and I'd like to share them with you. They can be starting points for you. See where you fit in. One, as a citizen of the world and especially where you live, bring awareness of the literacy crisis and try to eradicate illiteracy starting in your own home in your community, in your parish, in your state, in your country, on your continent. You might do so by financially supporting organizations like the World Literacy Foundation. And I have already spoken about the fact that this year I am an ambassador. So any donations that you make to them, I'll greatly appreciate it. Just write snippets of literacy podcast. Okay, so, or my name, Dawn Granskiba. Okay, just so... They know, okay. Um, you could also volunteer at your local school to read to a child. 
or you could buy some books and put them in letterboxes in in communities with you know poor communities with those where people are struggling financially or socially you get the picture don't you so all i'm saying is be creative in the way that you attack this issue second uh point is that you could show respect and support for early childhood teachers primary and secondary teachers speech pathologists psychologists all types of educators and people involved in education before you say hey 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 dawn i am not disrespectful i'm not saying that you are i'm just saying you know top it up whatever it is that you're doing for us do some more our jobs are hard and we often think we're undervalued and so your appreciation does help us to you know continue doing what we're doing despite low wages for some of us some of the countries where that I've named you know salaries for teachers are dire you know we go through emotional turmoil and we face all kinds of difficulties while doing our jobs and again I'm not comparing this to any other jobs and there are lots of people out there you know soldiers and policemen etc who really face actual danger uh, I'm just saying um you can help us to help them and the third thing uh vote uh this is not a political podcast but I think you should vote and you should do so carefully and intelligently. Vote for politicians who really believe that education should be accessible for all of us. No matter our gender, our racial identity, socioeconomic status, religion or any other flimsy reason. We should be educated, we should be literate because we're humans. And so investing in education is meeting us at our core humanity. You've been listening to Snippets of Literacy with Dawn Grantskeeper. I love you for listening.